You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So we've been talking about righteousness and justice, justice and righteousness, and how they pair together, how they need to be activated. And I want to welcome up our outreach pastor, Mary Margaret Leroy, to bring it home for us today as she continues this talk about Amos. I don't need that, but thank you. Thank you. Did that sound mean? I didn't mean that. It sounded mean. No, thank you. Well, good morning. Look at me with my scrolls. My paper. One day I'm just going to come out like with a chisel, you know. Oh, come on. I know my numbers. Okay, here we go. Everybody ready for Thanksgiving? Go fight win. And again, another humongous thank you for the teams that came out yesterday. We had such a great time. So thank you so much um, for doing that. That was great. Um, so as Reese mentioned, and as you've seen, um, our theme Righteousness and justice. Amos 5.24, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like an endless stream. Reese talked the first week about um, pairing righteousness and justice. And then last week he spoke about um, activating it. Today I want to talk to us about righteousness and justice in the flesh. And spoiler alert, it's Jesus in us. Okay, that, that's how this all ends. So let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we just delight in your presence. Thank you that you are here, and I thank you so much that you are here doing your good work. Come, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and let you know um, Charlotte, um, our youngest kiddo, um, last Sunday, Reese, you know, we had baptism, baptized a little girl, and, and I prayed, and I got all weepy, and Reese was preaching about that stuff, and he was telling a story, and he got all weepy. Charlotte leans over, you two are the two weepiest people on the planet. I have no hope but to be a weepy person. It's like, well, whatever. And then she was also a little, uh, like, left, felt left out because I think she was the only child he did not mention in the sermon last week. And I said, I promise, next time I speak, I will talk to you. She's not in the room because she's serving in kids' church. So yay, Charlotte. <laughs> And now she will give me the biggest eye roll. I'm going to have to pay for that. Just let you know. Hey, let's turn to Luke 18, uh, verses 35 through 42. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. And he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also Praised God. Okay, so let's, I'm going to unpack this for just a second, and then I'm going to let you see how this relates to us pretty intimately. So the natural injustice that this man was experiencing was his blindness, and his blindness led to his poverty. His blindness led to his alienation. And did you notice, and I hope you did because I read it to emphasize it, um, that it was those who led who rebuked him, the ones that had the power. They're the ones that rebuked. 
Um, he lacked friends. He lacked family. He had no support. But Jesus stopped. Um, now, Jesus had a lot going on that day, because I know a lot of us are like, yeah, but I'm busy. I have things. Well, you know, Jesus had things too. This wasn't one of those sit on the hillside and let me tell you the Beatitudes days. It wasn't, it wasn't the college professor day, okay? It was on this day, he was traveling. He heals this guy. He meets Zacchaeus. That's another like a dinner invitation right there. And he continues to travel. He does the triumphal in, entry. That's Palm Sunday. And he turns over the tables in the temple. That's a day, boys and girls. That, that, that's a day. Still, he stopped. And his question, his question is so full of love and compassion. What do you want me to do for you? He gave that man a choice. His words, his question, he valued the man's needs, and he valued the man. Well, he received his sight, and he immediately begins to follow Jesus, and that whole crowd begins to worship and, and, uh, and worship Jesus. Do you see the same people that were the haters, how it changed? Do you see that everything that was in place in the first few verses is now a 180, the, that last verse? Because when the kingdom of God comes, things change. Justice occurs because Jesus, in this instance and in just about every instance, he is justice and he is righteousness. Okay, so us today, how does this apply to us? I want you to substitute the poor for the blind man. They are sidelined. They are alienated. There are no choices. Jesus' question gave the man choices. You see, in poverty, they have very little choice. There's no choice regarding education, jobs, housing, access to healthy food or medical care. The Augusta Chronicle did an article um, where they cited the Economic Innovation Group's um, Distressed Communities Index. This is a bipartisan group that um, their goal is diverse economy. Um, and you can look up like your zip code and, and see how things are rated. And the index, um, the components of the index include high school dropout rates, poverty rates, unemployment rates, the median income, job and business growth. The worst score you can have is 100. Okay, this is like so flip-flop for me. So like, okay, personal thing. When I was um, 35, we had one child and we wanted more. And they're like, oh, you're advanced maternal age. That's the first day I knew that advanced was bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, in my whole life, you're advanced. Well, thank you. And that was bad. Well, now this is the same thing. 100 is bad, okay? <laughs> we all want our kids, get 100. 100 is bad. Um, so let's, we're score being 100. In the 30901 zip code, which is the urban core of Augusta, the score is 99.7. 10 miles down the road in 30809, the score is 18.5. In North Augusta, not gonna forget our South Carolina friends here. <laughs> and woo, yeah, oh, and congratulations. Such a good win last night. For those of you that care about football, I, you know. Um, See, I can do all those things. Okay, but back to the very serious thing. Um, in the 29860 score is 22.7, which is considered quite prosperous. Literally next door, 29841, the score is 56, which is at risk. And also the distressed zip codes, and this is nationwide, the distressed zip codes experience twice as many deaths during COVID as the prosperous ones. 
this is us. This is our justice, and this is our righteousness, where we can let it roll and flow like an endless stream. Vineyard Church of Augusta, we serve. And we, like Jesus, although we don't get it right every time, we strive to do what the Father is doing. Now, we aren't an agency. We can't on our own eradicate poverty. We cannot on our own stamp out every injustice, but we can do what we're called to do. And God has called us to feed people. He's called us to pray for people. And he is expanding that vision. As Reese mentioned, you know, the Compassion House. And we always have our hands open. Father, what do you want? What do you want us to do? So the Storehouse Food Pantry is, has the most accessible on-ramps to serve this population. The pantry is close to 15 years old, and it has seen many iterations. Um, upon, until the pandemic, people actually came in, and they sat at tables, they had coffee, they had conversation. Um, we've had times when um, students from the medical college, which I guess now is really AU Health or whatever, you know what I mean, <laughs> um, where they would uh, partner with us, those that were becoming dietitians, they would partner with us and they would come in and go do cooking demonstrations with the various um, things that we had in the pantry. And they would give rest, uh, recipe cards. Different restaurants would come and provide food on, on some of those cold nights. With the pandemic, in order to remain open, we moved to a contact-free drive-through. Keeping clients and volunteers safe has been a top priority for us. We continued as a drive-through, um, even through this very moment. <laughs> um, we have volunteers who do intake, volunteers who offer prayer, volunteers who make up the order, and even more volunteers who take the order to the car. A lot of great things have happened, uh, a lot of great interactions, but we feel like, and we have felt for quite a while, okay, I'm gonna cry, my weepy kid, oh, sorry. I usually have water, you know, to like stave that off, but mm, I forgot it today. Okay, so we're about to embark on what I think is our greatest adventure ever. Let's see this. <clears throat> Keeping suspense, right? You don't know what I'm writing about. <laughs> um, beginning in January, we're going to become a choice pantry. Okay, you're not quite sure why you're clapping. You know, what is that? I don't know. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I've known for a long time, for years and years, and for years and years, this has been like something like, ah, I think we need to do this. A choice pantry is when people actually get to come in and we have the food on shelves and they get to choose what they want. Yeah, now you know what you're talking about. Choice, just like Jesus gave that man a choice. Dang it, I hate that I'm so like this. Um, yeah, so a choice pantry. Um, every ministry that's, that's connected with this church, everyone, and I can say that without equivocation, um, is anchored in the value of the person because that is what Jesus does. Jesus loves and values every single human, every single one, the, all the ones that have been, the ones that are, and the ones that are yet to be. He values, and so we are doing what Jesus does whether it's kids, youth, small group, outreach, the storehouse, choice communicates value. Um, again, allowing our clients to, uh, to choose their own foods provides a more dignified shopping experience. Um, it respects the fact that they have unique 
preferences and needs, it empowers them to make decisions for themselves. Um, the LSU Center for Agriculture, they say that um, based studies show that uh, when you have a choice-based pantry that clients' knowledge, cooking skills, food security status, and fresh produce intake increases. It also says that interaction and engagement with pantry staff and volunteers that assist with food choices can provide pantry clients with numerous social benefits, such as personalized pantry experience, social support, interaction, encouragement, opportunities to share ideas and learn about other available resources. Just, I'm gonna be real here with you. There is a big difference between standing over someone, literally, when they're sitting in their car, you standing over them versus walking alongside of them. Bill, you're Jesus. <laughs> you probably just probably make, make him feel uncomfortable, so. Whatever your thank you. That's the best dollar twenty-five ever. Thank you very much. Um, but we are called to walk alongside the poor and the alienated, those for whom injustice is simply just a way of life. Practical changes, beginning in January, our pantry Thursday morning is gonna slide over to Monday morning. So Monday will be our full-on pantry day, Monday morning shift and the Monday evening shift. Um, it's gonna look really different and I'm so excited. Um, all those hardworking volunteers we have, they're gonna, I just so appreciate their flexibility, and it also, hopefully, the door is opened even wider to invite you to, to participate in the pantry. We'll need greeters, intake folks, shelf stockers, personal shoppers, and we'll be able to offer prayer throughout that whole experience. Um, if you wanna show the, the slide that how many folks we are, we are feeding, right before I get to that, um, again, because I served in the pantry for a long time before the pandemic, I know what it's like to sit across the table from someone and just one little comment, they open up their whole world and you just, you find out about a child they lost or an illness they're experiencing. Value the person. We value the person. And if you will see, Reese mentioned, um, uh, how it's grown exponentially. You can actually check that page out at the end of every month and you can see it, it just grows and grows and grows and grows. Um, we have a wonderful reputation for caring for the poor, um, whether it's our Dinner of Love outreach. In fact, um, this is the second or third year that um, WRDW, they're coming tomorrow to do an interview about the outreach that Reese mentioned to you. That's you. That's you, that's not our staff, that's you. And it's Jesus in you. So look for that. And whether it's the Dinner of Love outreach or yesterday's outreach or the pantry or Compassion House, we do this because this is unto the Lord. Matthew 25, 40 says, truly I tell you whether you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Reese mentioned the Compassion House. Do you know that for five months we had volunteers over there uh, being justice and righteousness in the flesh. Yes, caulking, filling nail heads, putting down flooring, painting, installing plumbing, that is justice and righteousness. Jesus stopped. I want us 
I want to challenge us to ask Jesus when and how we're supposed to stop and notice and value people. This is um, for every member of, um, of your family. You know, Reese mentioned you're family-friendly, and all these things really are family-friendly. And I want to close by telling you um, uh, a story about a family, you know, here in our church. Um, Jason and Elise Kaiser, um, they've been part of the church for a long time. Jason is a respiratory therapist. Elise is a nurse, and they have four beautiful children. Jason actually ran the food pantry for years, uh, he and Elise have such a heart for the poor, and they really uh, foster that in their home. And they have, they, so they have four kids. Well, and uh, every summer we do an outreach camp. And the last couple summers, Jason has taken vacation time so that he can be one of the volunteers in the camp. Well, this year um, he brought his, you know, technically you're supposed to be like second graders. And he goes, hey, can I bring Hannah, my first grade daughter. And I was like, well, of course, she's your kid. You're responsible for her kid. <laughs> and she's great. Yes, absolutely. Um, and she was a dream. Well, one of the things that we did, we made these things called um, kindness kits. And it was basically just like, you know, a little a shoebox size, see-through box. And I put like tons of stuff in a room and the kids could pick what they put in there. Everything from tissues and to mints, I mean, just little toys, all kinds of things. They just, they filled it up. And the point was, and we, and I told the children, your parents have to do this with you. <laughs> but the point was, keep the kindness kit in the car. And when you see someone that you feel like needs some kindness, that you can look in your box and you can find something that maybe they would need. And because we believe that Jesus speaks to us. I always ask the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell you, okay? So, um, Elise, oh, crud, yeah, my, shoot. Well, I think I'll remember it. The story's actually on my phone, but it may be, let's, let's all hold true that I'll remember the whole story. Um, if I don't, you just send up and tell me that I did it wrong. Uh, oh, gosh, so much help. Thank you, Shane. Oh, look at this. Okay, now I gotta remember my code here. It's just a thing, guys. You guys have been so patient. Okay. Oh, there we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so um, Elise texted me uh, just a couple days ago, and she said, Yesterday we finally remember to take our kindness kids to the park. Hannah, first grader, first grader who was a quiet first grader. I know loud first graders, Hannah's a quiet first grader. Um, Hannah brought hers over to a little girl and pretty soon several kids gathered around. Nathaniel, who is their older elementary son, he brought his out too. And I overheard Hannah asking a girl if she had a church and bringing up vineyard. Jesus just loves people and he loves people enough to get us out of our boxes to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, let's stand.